Well, as you know, I am a hunter and I enjoy hunting. And I'm one of there's maybe maybe five percent of us that think this way when it comes to hunting. I wish we could harvest deer in any possible way, like a sword or a spear. Because I'm like that would be sweet, but you can't because you probably most people would maim them, and it would not be a lethal means of doing it. But if if it was up to me, I love weapons. I, as a little boy, I began with collecting wooden knives and knives, cap guns. And then I finally found out that cap guns, instead of shooting one at a time, you could take the whole roll and take a hammer and boom! I just, I loved weapons. And if I could have a weapon room, it might look like something like this. And because I love different types of weapons, this is, would be my weapon. Can you do the other one? There you go, yeah. This would be a weapon room. I mean, wouldn't that be great to have a room where you walk and go, yeah, let's go hunting! But honestly, if you know me, this kind of room really wouldn't be my room because there's too much plastic on those weapons, all that black stuff. I'm kind of, even though I'm younger than some of you, I'm old school, so this would be my weapon room, right? All that Woodstock stuff, the Colt 1911-45, the M1 Garand, the carbine, the top, I mean, that's, to me, that is a beautiful picture. And what's behind that? The American flag, oh, that would be my weapon room. Well, even though I'll never get a weapon room like that, or will I ever need one like that, I do have a spiritual weapon room full of many weapons to combat the enemy. And this morning we're going to look at some of the weapons that we have in our spiritual weapon room. In fact, we're going to have the time to hear the passage. So take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Aisha, would you come up? Eric's got a microphone for you there. Oh, you got one. So Ephesians chapter 6. If you could take your Bibles, if you don't have one, there's one in front of you. Let's turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. And if you could stand with us as we read this passage. Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. For our struggles is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. With a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. As Christians, we are not strangers to war and warfare. And there is a right way to fight and a wrong way to engage in this warfare. And the weapons that we have are not 
of this world. They are not carnal. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, a kind of famous passage that talks about spiritual warfare, says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, they're not carnal, but have divine power, mighty through God, to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. The weapons that we have are spiritual. They're not of this world. This battle that we saw even as we go through Ephesians chapter 6, we know that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Our battle is not a physical or a flesh battle. It is a spiritual battle. And the weapons that we have are divine. Great power. I mentioned that it would be great if you could hunt with anything you wanted for deer. Well, there's reasons you don't. There's reasons you don't hunt deer with BB guns. It would just look at you. What are you doing to me? It doesn't have the lethality to do the work. There's a reason you don't use 22s for deer hunting. Even though you could shoot a deer. Some of you farmers know you can drop a cow with a 22 in the right place, but you don't do it. It's not lethal. The weapons we have against our opponent are lethal to him. They're powerful. They're of divine nature. The weapons we have destroy, it says in this passage, strongholds. Now, there are many different thoughts about strongholds in modern Christianity. Some of the extreme people who find demons on every, every rock. Some, I've got a friend who probably knows the name of every demon he's ever met, met before. And just people get into that stuff. I really don't focus too much on the enemy. I'd rather focus on the power of God. Strongholds are that which have deep demonic opposition to the Gospel and freedom. Maybe you can write that down. A stronghold is that which has deep demonic opposition to the Gospel and to freedom. So here Paul, in this section here, he's dealing with people who are opposing the Gospel. Opposing his authority as a minister of the Gospel. And he's mentioning that, and we'll see this here in a moment, that these are people who have arguments against the Gospel. Yeah, sure, there can be strongholds. They can be involved with those three realms that we've talked about. The world, its influences, its ideology, its way of seducing us. Our own flesh and sinful nature. It has a way of seduction and falling into those traps. And those can be strongholds. It can be habits, sin, evil ways. Here, Paul says we have the ability to destroy strongholds that distort the image of Christ. People don't like the concept that Christ is God. They don't like the concept of the Gospel. Anything that distorts the true understanding of Christ, we have weaponry to destroy that. And here in this passage, our battle is against arguments against God and Christ. Again, it's interesting that some of my friends who are extreme into spiritual warfare, who have names for every demon, they have names for every stronghold in every city, and just that, that's a possibility, but in Scripture, we don't really see that. In this main passage here, we see that strongholds are opponents who use false wisdom 
sophisticated arguments to attack Paul and the Gospel. Strongholds are wrong thinking and wrong behavior that are part of the ones who resist the Gospel. Human arguments, poor logic to tear down Christ. Christ must be supreme. He must be the focus, the center. Just a few chapters after. Oh, the next chapter it says, if, at chapter 4, 2 Corinthians 11, 4. If anyone preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preach, or a different spirit, or a different gospel, that's a stronghold. Put it aside. Get away from that. And we have this alive today. People preach that Jesus isn't God. I get the knock on the door from the cult. And right away I go to passages that talk about the deity of Jesus Christ. John 8.58 Romans 9.5 Philippians chapter 2 I turn to a different passage and go what, what, what does your Bible or your translation or your book say? Jesus was not God. Or the other extreme, Jesus wasn't human. Oh, He was completely God and so divine. Jesus was fully God and fully man. And the largest stronghold I believe in our area, in the Midwest, when it comes to Jesus, is this. Jesus is not enough. Oh, Jesus is the Savior, but you need to work really hard to earn your salvation. It's a wrong view of Jesus. It's never Jesus plus good works. Jesus plus do some good things so God will approve you. It's Jesus, period, right? Jesus is not enough. That, I believe, is a major stronghold. We have spiritual weapons to fight against anything that distorts the image of Christ. We've been given divine power, not your own, divine power to change wrong ideas about Christ in the minds of people who have been influenced by demonic-inspired teaching. We must take every thought, every idea, every notion captive, it says in this passage, to Christ. Make every desire it belongs to Christ. So obeying Christ is so important. Our mindset, our thoughts, obedience to Christ is a major weapon to defeat the strongholds around us. So we've been working through Ephesians. So go back to Ephesians now. Ephesians chapter 6. We've been looking at this in a military perspective. We've taken time and looked at our authority. It says, be made strong in the Lord. It's not be strong, you can do it. It's be made strong in the Lord in the power of His might. I love how 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this. His divine power has given us everything we need for godly for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness Jesus didn't die so that you would be good and make it Jesus came in his goodness so that his goodness would be put on you so you could make it his divine power has given us everything we need. Imagine the spiritual weapon room that we have. 
It's loaded. Our authority comes from the Lord. Be made strong in the Lord, people. We looked at our opponent, the devil and his schemes. And again, in this section, every main word in the New Testament, in the Greek written, the Koine Greek of this time, every main word for power, for authority, is used right here. And God provides the power to make victory possible in your daily life. So if you need help, turn to God. If you need strength, turn to God. Because we have an opponent. Again, when it comes to spiritual warfare, the story of David and Goliath, who's the giant? God is the giant. Goliath is a grape. Satan is a grape. A toxic grape. Be careful. We see it in the news. Just our hearts break for the 11 people that were shot. Saying Jews must die. Horrific things. There's evil all around us. The opponent is real. God's given us the power. We've looked at our authority, our opponent, And our objective, again, our objective in this warfare, our objective is not to win the war. Christ has already won the war. That's why we celebrate Him. Our objective is to stand firm, stand strong, don't give up. Keep your eyes on the cross, keep your fingers in the Word, don't give up. That's one of my things that I I love as a pastor. I want to come alongside you and say, keep going, don't give up, don't get weary. Keep your eyes on the prize. Our objective is to be ready for battle and stand firm in this battle. And as your spiritual coach, I want to come alongside you and say, keep praying. You might have family members who don't know Christ. Keep praying. You might be weary in the battle that you feel like, I I keep giving in to my, my selfishness. I keep giving in to my addictions. Keep your eyes on Christ. Don't give up. And lastly, we've been looking at the strategy. I love reading strategical stuff, military things. And biblically, our strategy is armor up. Put on this armor. This armor is armor and weaponry. Together, they work hand in hand. Stand firm by harnessing on godly values and courageous obedience to do His will. Stand firm by, and it says put on these virtues, by harnessing on these godly values, these virtues, and courageous obedience to do His will. So let's talk about some of the weapons that we have in our spiritual weapon room. So here's some other biblical weapons I found in Scripture. These have divine power. The first one I'm going to mention here that we've talked about last week. The cross. When it comes to weapons, the cross, I believe, is the greatest weapon in spiritual warfare. The greatest weapon is the cross. Here's a couple verses. Colossians chapter 2, 13-15. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us, and condemned us. He has also taken it away, nailing it to the cross. 
and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Or 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. When I was a kid in high school, on my tennis shoe, I wrote the word devil on it. And my friend's like, what are you doing? I go, I'm walking on the devil every day. Why? Because of this verse. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, the message of the cross is the power of God. Or another verse. 1 Corinthians 15.57 But thanks be to God. He gave us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the beauty of the resurrection. The helmet of salvation represents what the blood of Christ did for us. His sacrificial death brought us salvation and we have victory. The cross is the greatest weapon. Another great weapon in Scripture is the name of Jesus. It's interesting that the name of Jesus is called upon. In Matthew and in Luke, Jesus sends out His disciples to go do some stuff. To let people know that freedom is here. The Kingdom of God has come. The inauguration has come. And go let people know that they can be free. He says, demons will be leaving. And they came back. And they gathered around. They were like, this is what happened. Demons fleed at Your name. And Jesus says, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. The name of Jesus is powerful. Jesus has all authority and now it's been given to us. I love Psalm 54, verse 1. Save me, O God, by Your name. Vindicate me by Your might. Peter, Paul, not Mary, and John they write exclusively about situations using the name of Jesus and the power and the authority in the name of Christ. (laughs) No one can make demons subject without the name of Jesus Christ. As we saw a few weeks ago in Acts 19, seven sons tried to do that. Oh, there's some demonic stuff happening. So in the name that Paul uses, we'll use the name of Jesus to subject this demonic influence. And they got beat up. So I wrote this down. The effectiveness of the use of the authority in the name of Jesus Christ depends on the faith of the believer and the degree to which the believer is living under that authority and name. These seven guys were like, I'm going to use the name of Jesus. They weren't under the authority of Jesus. They didn't live in obedience under Jesus. They did it on their own. And they got beat up so much, they were naked, ran out bleeding. Those who live in obedience and under the authority of Jesus Christ, that's when it can be powerful. I remember as a kid, 
it was, I was, I was in uh, senior high, I think it was a senior high school, and the TV was on, it was about this time, and this time on TV a lot of the horror movies are shown, and all the scary movies, and I remember walking by, I was, I was on my way to go hang out with my friends, and my brother was watching a TV show, and there was this vampire-like guy, and a guy pulls out the cross, and that cross caught me, my eye, because I like crosses, and I saw and this vampire, like, I don't know, whatever, he grabs the cross and, cross and crushes it. I'm like, what? And he goes, you must have faith or this means nothing. I'm like, well, that's pretty true. Using the name of Jesus Christ is calling upon His power, His name, and following His will in obedience. Another great weapon is worship. Worship is a great weapon. And we must learn the power of praise. Write that down. The power of praise. If you deal with any anxiety, if you deal with depression, if you struggle sometimes with your thoughts, you must learn the power of praise. The power of praise. Praise is an underestimated weapon in the Christian life. Mighty things happen when people worship. When the thick clouds of despair come. When the the smoke of Satan comes to cloud your mind and you can't think clearly, see clearly. And it blurs your understanding of who God is. That's when praise must be brought in. Praise reminds us of God's goodness. It reminds us of who He is. It lets us declare, I need You, Lord. I'm dependent on You. And the hope found in Christ, and that's when I believe the clouds of despair disappear. Satan cannot stand it when Christians praise God. Why? The primary focus of this battle that we're in is the glory of God. And Satan, when we Praise God. He hates that. We say this, worship isn't just music. Worship isn't just playing your favorite worship CD in the background. And that will be okay for you. Worship is a condition of the heart. It's purposefully placing God above all things. God above your situation. God above your struggles. Let me give you three quick biblical examples. 2 Chronicles 20. I'm going to turn there here. 2 Chronicles 20. Jehoshaphat. We had a little song as a kid about him. He's in battle. Two major opponent enemies are coming. Two nationalities are coming against him, and they're going to get destroyed. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Listen to what it says here. Second Chronicles 20, verse 20. Early in the morning they left, they go to the desert, and they set out, and Jehoshaphat says this. He says, Listen to me, Judah, and the people of Jerusalem. Get your swords and get ready to dig in. Doesn't say that. Have faith in God. And you will be upheld. 
Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. Verse 21. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to get their bows and arrows out and their M16s and their M1 Garands. No. They're going to do war. This is, this is, people will die. Listen to what he does. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise Him for the splendor of His holiness. And they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. In our military days, we send the Marines out first. Some in the Navy would say, because they're expendable. We send them first because they're trained to seek, kill, and destroy. You send those who know what to do in every situation. They send worshipers. Give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the enemy. And the enemy turned against each other and destroyed each other. There is power in praise, people. The enemy, his main objective again, is to distort your understanding of God. Use praise to combat that. He uses distortion and his tactic is to make you think you don't belong to him anymore. He doesn't love you anymore. Use praise to combat that. Jehoshaphat didn't lift a sword. He lifted praise. And the enemy turned against each other. And when the enemy comes against you, pull out that mighty weapon of praise and sing praises. Another example is in Joshua chapter 6. Jericho. Here's this wall. How is it going to come down? We know what some big front end loaders could do to that wall, right? They marched around and what did they do? They sang praises and the walls what? came down. Or turn right now in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 8, verse 2. This is one of my favorite ones. Psalm chapter 8, verse 2. We must learn the power of praise. And worship again is not just music. It's not just for the professionals. It's a condition of the heart. Parents and grandparents, this verse is for you. You have a job. You have a task. Psalm chapter 8. Verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. You've set Your glory above the heavens. Here it is, verse 2. I love this verse. From the lips of the professional singers who have a degree and can play the best instrument. doesn't say that. From the lips of of children and infants you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Do you know when little children praise God, the enemy gets destroyed? They're little kids. Parents, help your children know the beauty of God. Help them be in such awe of His goodness that when they praise, 
things happen in your family. The power of praise. Worship is a weapon. Let's continue on here. Another weapon is our testimony. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, one of my favorite verses on spiritual warfare. And they overcame him, Christians overcome the enemy, Satan in this little section here, the accuser of the brethren, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, which is the cross, and the word of their testimony. One of the most powerful weapons against skeptics. Something that cannot be refuted is first hand testimony that's why it's in the courts today we need a first-hand testimony of what happened here when you bring that to someone who has strongholds against christ how christ has touched you changed you it's powerful if the enemy can get you to focus on negative things of life what you don't have what you should have he can help you forget the good things what god has given you God has always come through for us. Amen? Make that a testimony. All His miracles in your life, let that be known. All the good ways God has provided for you when you had nothing, let that be known. How He's healed you, how He's touched you, let that testimony be known. Other weapons. The Holy Spirit. Acts Chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then throughout the earth. We have power through the Holy Spirit. Or Romans chapter 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray sometimes and how to pray. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. Holy Spirit, powerful weapon that we have in our weaponry room. Here's another one. Obedience. Obedience to Christ. And that's connected with in the name of Jesus. That's connected with the Word of God. Knowing His will. Praying His will. The 2 Corinthians 10, the strongholds making everything obedient to Christ. It's a powerful weapon. Or Romans. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans 13. Romans 13. Obedience is a very powerful weapon. Obedience. Romans 13, verse 11. And do this. Understand the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. My mom said that to me a couple times when I was a kid. Trying to get up for school. But here, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So, put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Obey Christ, people. Don't do the sinful things of the world. Do what is godly. Living the life God has called you to do. Live a life worthy of your calling. Obedience. And I would say in that would be fellowship and humility. Continually do fellowship and encourage one another. Be a part of a small group. 
Another great weapon which we're going to deal with next week is prayer. Philippians chapter 4, 6 and 7. Write this down. This one memorize. Please memorize this one. This one has helped me so many times. Philippians chapter 4, 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Not just things that are ha- sad or hard, but in everything, prayer and supplication. Make your request known to God and in thankfulness. And above all things, we're to love and keep your focus on Christ. And then out of this, the peace of God that passes all understanding will then touch you. Prayer, we'll talk about that next week. Prayer is one of the most powerful weapons. Hand-to-hand combat and long range. Now let's move to the last weapon that we're talking about in our passage. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. This was going to be part of last week's message, but we cut that short so we could pray. The Word of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17 says this, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Here is a mighty weapon. Stand firm by receiving and using the Gospel message. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Here is a mighty weapon. And again, as we saw, Paul turns to Isaiah to get a lot of this. Isaiah 11, verse 4. The earth will shake at the force of His Word. At the force of His Word. And one breath from His mouth will destroy the wicked. One breath, one word from the Lord will what? Destroy the wicked. Destroy the wicked. So let me give you a few thoughts in closing about the Word of God. Let me show you something. This summer, I had a part of this. We got some flowers. My wife likes hanging baskets. And she's got this beautiful flower. And a couple days she was gone. Her sister had a baby. So I'm like, I've got to water these flowers. I've got to take care of them. And throughout the whole summer, they are the most beautiful flowers we had all year. So let me show you our most beautiful flowers. Here they are. What are you doing? These things I watered as much as I could. These were the most beautiful flowers we've ever had. I thought they were just gorgeous. But what happened? Time. Time happened. Listen to this. Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers and flowers fade. But the Word of God stands forever. Amen? The most beautiful thing we had outside growing, you laugh at now. Grass comes and goes. Flowers fade. But the Word of God stands forever. Isaiah 55, verse 11. My Word that goes out of my mouth will not return empty or void but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose that I sent it for. God's Word is eternal and stands true. It lasts forever. 
Another thought about the Word of God, it's necessary for faith. We need the Word of God. We live in a tough time where people go, oh, you can just turn to God by looking at creation. Every path has its own path to God. Romans chapter 10 says this, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When God's Word is properly proclaimed and taught, faith follows. When you read the Word of God, faith should follow. So it's necessary for faith. Also, it is a great weapon. When I was a kid looking at Ephesians 6, I thought really the only weapon was the Word of God. Really, all these are weapons. But to me, I was like, the sword of the Spirit. Again, the famous verse that we would turn to is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Write that down. Hebrews 4.12. It's a great weapon. For the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing, dividing, soul and sunder. It gets into the intentions and thoughts of the heart. There I was quoting King James, the little kid I had it memorized. It gets to the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is a great weapon. A few thoughts about this great weapon. It's used to combat deception. Again, the enemy wants to deceive us. The greatest example is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is ready to do His work He reads out of Isaiah and says, look, the ministry is about to begin. And before he does the ministry, what does he do? Luke chapter 4, Mark talks about this, Matthew chapter 4. Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I like how Mark says he was driven by the Spirit. Not just like, oh, I'll do that. The Spirit moves him, leads him to the wilderness where he fasts. No food for 40 days. People who fast have a time of hunger. And if they go beyond a certain amount of days, then their body shuts down where I don't have hunger anymore. But when you get to the point of 40 days, you begin to have hunger pains. And that means you're in starvation and you're about to die. Jesus is led 40 days of praying and fasting. He feels hungry. He's near starvation. He's near death. And Satan comes to deceive him, to tempt him. Satan says, if you're the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. You're about to die. If you truly are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And what does Jesus do? He says, It is written! And he pulls out the sword of the Spirit. He says, It is written. This great weapon we have. The Word of God. He doesn't try to argue with Him. He doesn't say, Oh, maybe I'm a little hungry. He says, It is written. And he he wheels out the sword. Man cannot live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the Lord. We have that in our little kitchen. He wields the sword and slays the enemy who tries to deceive Him. The second temptation comes where He taunts Jesus about His position. 
If, he says. If. And he uses Scripture to support. Satan loves to deceive things. He uses Scripture to support his taunts. And he does the same today. Again, Jesus uses the death blow of the Word of God. It is written. He says it again. And the third one, he attacks. But he says it is written. And he uses the Word of God. We have a great weapon. Greater than this cool sword I have. Which is real. Don't worry, it's not sharp right there. Something like that. Our sword is the Word of God. It is powerful. It does not fade like flowers fade. Our great weapon also is used to combat worry and fear. Take God as His Word. And lastly, to equip us to do every good work. We have this great Bible verse that we, mention, that we memorize as kids. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for correction, rebuking, training, and teaching in righteousness. And the next verse, so that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped to do every good work. Memorize, meditate, and use the Word of God. It's hard to use the Word of God when you don't have it memorized. It's not in your memory. I encourage you, memorize. So let's have the worship team come up. And again, at the end of every service, we're using these words. I encourage you, if you're involved in things of this world, renounce the world and its ways. The battle is real. Get rid of of the world and its ways. Get rid of the darkness in your life. Confess your sins. Know the power of the Holy Spirit. Know your position and His power. And pursue active faith and courageous obedience. And stand firm in the salvation of Jesus. And hold to the Word of God that lasts forever. Let's stand and I'll pray and then we'll sing the praises. Let's do some warfare declaring the goodness of God. Lord, we thank You for Your goodness. And Lord, I thank You that we are not left abandoned in this battle that we have. But You've given us weapons that are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And we must have every thought captive to Christ. So Lord, we thank You And in this praise, I pray right now for healing. I pray for freedom. And I pray that people would be touched. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen. During this time of praise and prayer, if you want prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. If you guys would come on up and pray. Brett and Gloria, if you could be available to pray, and I'll be up here. If you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray for you. Let's sing the praises of God.